Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, White Wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like White Wine, True Crime, and In Bed by Nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are Housewives of True Crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. TGIF, welcome. And happy Monday to all of you. Welcome. Yeah. It's a Monday. Yeah. In the podcast world. (laughs) Yeah. It's a Friday for us. We're surviving. They're surviving. They're happy. They got a new episode for their commute. You know what? Yeah. That's what makes my Mondays super happy. Oh, good. I love hearing my own voice. (laughs) You're such a goof. (laughs) I'm so conceited, right? Yeah, totally. It's okay. I can be conceited at this age. You can? Because I was not at all conceited. Like my whole high school days, I was like insecure and nice. Yeah. You're definitely not insecure now. You're always like, I think they just don't like me because I'm too cute. (laughs) I do not. Yes, you do. You say say that. that. Yeah, you do. I do not. Yeah. I am not too cute, by the way. You guys, we used to have this friend, Holly, that was like, oh my God, everyone's always touching me at the bar because I'm so beautiful. (laughs) She was beautiful. She was beautiful. And I thought it was really funny when she would do shit like that. That's why we were good friends. But I had a boyfriend at the time who did not think she was amusing at all. He was like, yeah. He didn't believe it? No, he did not like her at all. Oh. Yeah. Why? Because she said stuff like that. He didn't think it was funny because we like went over to his house and watched a movie and she like talked like the whole time in a normal voice. You know how she was. Oh, yeah. That's so funny. And he's like, this is like a very serious movie. <laughs> you know what? Sean <laughs> yeah, hates. It's probably like fucking Fight Club or something he'd watched like a hundred times. Sean hates that too when people talk. He hates when I talk in a movie. He has to pause it every single time. I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah. And we go to the movie theater, I'll be like, what does that mean? What does that mean? He's like, I don't fucking know. I'm just watching it for the first time too. I'm like, okay, well, sorry. He's like, just be quiet. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I don't do that anymore. You know, I learn quick. I'm a quick study. You are. At least you stay awake for the movie. You're like, I'm awake or I'm talking or I'm asleep or I'm talking. You? You. Yes. Yeah. So So pick one. Well, a lot of times that I fall asleep in the movie theater. Yeah. Unless it's, you know, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, then I can stay awake. But I'm a sleeper. What can yeah, I say? I know. I like sleeping. Yeah, I do too. Especially now I'm taking the CBD oil. I'm sleeping better. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. It's a miracle. It is really I'm not working a for good you. Sleeper. Yeah, it's good. It's doing me well. How did you hear about it? You heard it on some like radio program or something, right? Yeah, I'm I'm doing oh, Tamara. Tamara Judge. Yeah, I'm doing her. Tamara Judge. Yeah. That's right. She got kicked off of the Yeah, she's housewives. my OC neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing all right for herself. I'm not too worried about her. You're not? No. You guys, we are drinking margaritas. 
Keeping it going. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. You got to, you, you know what? Even if you do any type of margarita, I think margaritas should be for Fridays. You do? Yeah. I think you can, they go with any day of the week tab. Sure. I mean, I, I call it feeling good Friday. Oh, okay. That's okay. good. I'll go with yeah. that. All right. Hey, tell me about your crime. What's your crime about today? Oh man. It's about two really beautiful people that end in tragedy. Oh, well, that's a fucking drag on my Monday. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you'll like the story. Okay. That has to go with it. It's an intriguing one. Also, CrimeCon is coming up, Gretchy Poo. Oh, you're, you bet your ass it is. And I want to tell you, we have a discount code for our listeners that want to go to it. Okay. The code is HWTC2020. That means Housewives True Crime. 2020? 2020, yeah. baby. Also, you guys, I've been hashtagging clink clink on our stuff, which is super cute. So if you guys... Hashtag clink clink when you're That's putting cute. stories up. It's real cute. And, and hey, maybe we should tell them a little bit about CrimeCon. I mean, if you're not familiar. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like real fun. If you are super into true crime, like Dateline and All those people will be there. And ID and Nancy Grace and, and Oxygen us, Network. All those people will be there. All those people are there and they put up like lots of different rooms that you can go to to learn about crimes, help solve crimes, listen to what's going on yeah, new. all weekend long. And it's fun. Yeah, it's like, it's real fun. And then you drink. Yeah, we after, met real fun people. We did. We had, I mean, we met some people that we still are real close to. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to Stacy and Indy. Those are our, our girls from CrimeCon. 100%. We snuck out and had a real fun time at the gay parade in New Orleans with Stacy, and we uh-huh. had the time of our lives. So you guys, it'll be really fun if you guys come. We would really enjoy that, and we'll party it up. We have a booth this year in the podcast row. We're moving our little selves right back up. Also, you guys, if you would please tell your friends about us, that would be so nice of you because we're growing steadily, but you know what? We would like to grow more. <laughs> Just really being honest with you. So thank you so much. Okay. I already had a couple margaritas. They got it. Yeah, clearly. And you know what? So she's guess, not going to beat around the bush. I guess she's not I'm not going to tell you any of that. My, it'll make my heart full of bullshit. I guess I'm not insecure anymore. No, she's you know, not. I can put it out there. Yep. Well, that's okay. good. That's good. Just like I'm going to put out this episode right now. Yeah. Tell you all about it. Can't wait to hear it. Okay. This case is brought to us by a friend of Housewives of True Crime who also has a podcast called Dialogue. Her name is Rebecca Sebastian. And after I tell you this story, Gretchy, we are going to have her on the podcast to give us a little take on what she thinks about the story. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this is a story that happened in Highland Heights, Kentucky. Sounds fancy, doesn't it? Yeah, Highland Heights sounds high. It does. Well, I don't think it's too fancy, actually. 
Okay. It's a suburb outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. I think it's just a suburb. It's not like super fancy, but not fancy. Okay. It has a population of just over 7,000. Houses go for about $150,000, but there's nothing for sale there. I looked on Zillow and it's condos and a couple houses, but nothing for sale. So maybe people really just enjoy living there. Yeah. If you're a listener and you live in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Tell us what gives with Highland Heights. Yeah. I want to know because it's the suburb of Cincinnati. I have a feeling it's like a suburb of LA. Just my feeling. Okay. So in early 2011, a beautiful girl named Shana Hubers met a very handsome young attorney named Ryan Poston. Was Shana a stripper? No. Shana's usually are strippers. It has a From name. my experience. Oh, really? Yeah. No. No. I know a Shana who also is not a stripper, but. Okay. The name sounds a little. Strippery. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Shana was 21 years old, gorgeous, blue eyes, big blue eyes, brown, long hair, with the smile worth a million dollars. She had just graduated college and was already getting her master's degree. I was like, 21, geez. Like, That's ambitious. That is real ambitious. And she was. She was like a brainiac. She was originally from Lexington, Kentucky, born into a middle-class family. And it is said that, like I said, she was the brains. Okay. Honors, all that. Okay. She graduated cum cum laude. Magna cum laude. Yes. Yes. Go Shana. Yes, go Shana. She also got her degree in psychology. Okay. I hear that breath. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. You know, I have a theory about the people that major in psychology. Yeah. So you might be right in this case. They're nuts. Okay. 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 Her intelligence was alluring for sure, but her beauty made her a real knockout. Okay. Ryan was equally, if not even more beautiful than Shayna. Brown hair. Beautiful is not a word that you usually use to describe a man. I know, but I got to show you him. Okay. Wait, wait, hold on. Yes, but I already said he was handsome. You can say it twice. (laughs) Okay. Okay, he was handsome, handsome. Okay. Let me show you how handsome. Oh, yeah. He's your type, too. He's, like, really my type. Yeah, he's not my type. No way. I can see he's good looking, but he's not my type. Are you kidding me? I think he's, like, the hottest guy ever. Yeah. Not my type. Not your type. You know I don't really like the hot guys. (laughs) No, she doesn't. (laughs) This is Shayna. Oh, yeah. She's cute. Okay. Real cute. So... Gretchen doesn't want me to say he's beautiful, but I think that he is a beautiful human. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. Brown hair, blue eyes, real nice jawline. Yeah. A real guy's guy. Ryan was also from Kentucky, but from Fort Mitchell, born into a wealthier family. Actually, Ryan's mom and dad divorced when Ryan was young, and his mother, who also was absolutely gorgeous which you can kind of tell, 
if you have a son that cute. And she remarried, and Ryan was super close to both his dad and his stepdad. At 29, he had already started his own law firm with a partner, lived in a condo, and by the looks of it, he was pretty successful. Ryan also loved guns. He had a permit to carry, and on a daily, he carried one to work, which I think being a lawyer maybe isn't something that is really off. He was a business attorney, so I'm sure he wasn't like getting... I don't know. Death I don't threats, think. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think if he had a permit to carry, and he's what in Kentucky, I think that's that's pretty normal. Yeah, I, I don't think. think that's odd. Certainly. Well, here in California, it would be it odd. Would be odd, but I don't think it's that odd in Kentucky. Yeah, no, I don't. He didn't have any kids, and he lived alone, so his guns were pretty out in the open by what people said, which also I don't think is not odd. Odd. Yeah. Um, Ryan found. Shayna on Facebook as she was friends with his cousin and he was immediately attracted to her beauty. Although these two in photos seem like a perfect pair, something just wasn't ideal. It didn't take long for the relationship to turn rocky as Shayna was pretty out there, which you kind of said, Gretchen. So she's probably pretty good in bed. She probably lived up to the name Shayna. <laughs> I don't know. You know that's what they say. Well, about well the we're gonna get. Ones. We're gonna actually get to that in a minute. Okay. She was a little erratic and emotionally unstable. Oh yeah. And when doing this research, she actually reminds me of some girls I knew in high school or even after that would like call their boyfriend eight hundred times, leave a million messages, page them over and over. At this point in 2011, they had cell phones. So she was like texting oh, yeah. you know, a million times. It is said that she messaged Ryan between 50,000 and 100,000 oh, times. Oh my gosh. And for every 50 to 100 messages that she sent, Ryan would only send one back to her. Whoa. She also reminds me. Well, he's me, like a busy lawyer. I know, right? She reminds me of Sean's ex-girlfriend. Oh, totally. <laughs> no. Yeah. So Ryan and Shayna quickly broke up, but after they would break up, Shayna would beg for Ryan back and, and send have him. hot sex. Because she's Shayna. Oh. Yeah. You might be right on that. Like, yeah. I mean, that's just pure speculation, but you know what? Now that you are saying that, which I didn't think of, like- you're probably right. That's Why how it he... works. And then he probably just kept like stringing her along because yes, he's he like, did. I'm just going to keep this girl who will have hot sex with me in my back pocket until I meet somebody else. That's how guys do. Okay. Gretchen is the relationship whisperer over here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So she would send him hundreds of messages and he would give up and be like, okay, fine. And Blow you're me. probably right. Okay. Like, yeah. She would probably come over and they would do it and then yeah. he would have her again. You know, he – oh, so he's this lawyer in Cincinnati and she actually goes to school about an hour away. So I feel like on the weekdays it's easy for him to just go to work and on the weekends he would be like, fuck it, come over, fine. Yeah, yeah. So this on and off crazy relationship went on for over a year. 
Ryan would break it off and Shana would just show up at his house, call him, text him hundreds of times and be back. At one point, he sends a text to his friend saying, this is getting crazy, crazy enough to get a restraining order level. She's shown up at my condo like three times and refuses to leave each time. Oh, that is next level. It is, right? Yeah. Another message to a friend, he says, literally probably the craziest effing person I have ever met. She almost scares me. Ooh, this reminds me of Jody Arias. Oh, funny you say that. That, that is was her hero? <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, but he still takes her back uh, after all these things. So time and time again, Ryan would try to push Shayna out, but Shayna would cry and make Ryan feel real bad. And at one point during one of the times he tried to get her away, from him, like in February 2012, he texts her and he says, you can just tell people you broke up with me. And her reply is, I love you dearly, far more than you deserve. She's just like a nut. Yeah. So these texts go back and forth for months where Ryan is begging her to leave him alone, telling her he no longer has patience for her and just to stop texting him and at one point says like, I'm going to block you. The desperation from both sides is alarming. I mean, get the fucking hint, girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. What does Steve Harvey say? He's just not that into you. That's not Steve Harvey that says that. Who says it? It's that guy that he wrote for Sex in the City. (laughs) I thought it was Steve Harvey. Yeah. What's his name? Steve Harvey has a relationship book. He would say that. He would say What does Steve Harvey say? Steve Harvey says you got to wait 90 days before you do it. Well, that's a good... And he says every man has a plan. You got to ask him, your man, what what he sees his family like or something like that. I don't know. I think I bought Leela that book. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I don't know who says it, but let's just say it's a saying. It's the same thing. He's just not that into you. He's just not that into you. And it's a good saying. I mean, it listen. It really is. Like, get over it. Yeah. There's somebody that is going to be into you. Yeah. So one night, Ryan actually left his own apartment and stayed at his dad's house because Shayna refused to leave. This back and forth is bananas. And his dad even said, like, Ryan, this is your house. Like, you should be able to stay yeah, in your own problem. house. In August of 2012, he gets real annoyed again and tells her to stop texting and he's going to padlock his door. At this point, she knows how to pull on Ryan's heartstrings and she has been doing it for months. She actually told her friend that Ryan is just with her because he feels bad for her and she cries to him and she's resenting him for it. She writes these exact message, these exact words on social media to her friend. She says, he says he is only with me because I make him feel so awful when I cry. She wrote, my love has turned to hate. But you see, Ryan still doesn't close the door on her. I mean, that's so screwy. I know. So he actually plans a date for them to go to the shooting range because that's kind of like what he likes to do. Shoot guns. 
Okay. Okay. And the night that he plans that, she sends a text message to her friend again. And this one says, when I go to the shooting range with Ryan tonight, I want to turn around and shoot and kill him. Yeah. I'm thinking right away, Ryan, she's unstable. I know. Don't take her to the shooting range. And she's like, and play like it's an accident. Oh. Her friend, of course, thinks that she's kidding, right? I mean, like, yeah, I can would. see how that would translate in a text form, like you were kidding. Yeah. I mean, how many times, like, people are always like, oh, I wish I could just kill him or whatever, oh, yeah. you know? But it is a weird thing to write. Yeah, it is. So they go to the shooting range and nothing happens. Okay. She takes a real cute picture holding a gun with her beautiful smile and her big blue eyes. And that was in August. And again, in October 2012, Ryan is over it. So he breaks it off with her. And he decides he's going to date somebody else. Oh. So on October 11th, Shana again comes over to his house. She refuses to leave. They get in an argument. And... It's suspected that maybe Ryan had told her that he had a date the next night and it wasn't with her. Yeah. So she's going crazy. He goes and locks himself in his own bedroom to go to sleep because he had to work the next day. And she calls her mom having a nervous breakdown in the middle of the night. Her mom drives to Ryan's house two hours away. Okay. Okay. The mom comes in, they both, the mother and daughter, fall asleep on Ryan's couch, which I also think is super strange. Super weird. Can you not go somewhere else? Like you're sleeping on this dude's couch yeah, that doesn't get your want you there. And be like, stop. Yeah. Get out. No, they don't. So they wake up. Well, Ryan wakes up and finds Shana's mom there, which also has to be it's so weird. Dude, so weird. And he goes to work. Shana's mom takes her shopping, tries to ease her mind and pain of a breakup like any mother would do, telling Shana if she feels like she's having a nervous breakdown, like go to the hospital, and she leaves her. Ryan comes home from work that night. It's now October 12th. He's getting ready to go on his date with another beautiful girl, Miss Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. He met her on Facebook. Also real pretty, but you know, he's a looker too. But look who comes over to his house. No other than Shayna, Shayna herself. Now Ryan is pissed and over it. Like I would be, or you would be, or anybody would be. Oh yeah. Plus Miss Ohio. Yeah. That's bragging rights. Don't blow that. Yeah, no way. So we don't know exactly what happened, but... From the prosecution, from what the prosecution has pieced together from Shana's rants and evidence is Shana goes over there begging Ryan to stay in the relationship with her and he wants nothing to do with her. He goes to lock himself in his room and she picks the lock to get in. He's yelling at her to leave and that he hates her and by her account, This is what she says. He says that she's a fucking hillbilly. Okay. Neighbors don't hear any fighting. Okay. So 
She's saying that he's yelling at her and like throwing her around. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he probably was yelling at her to a point where it's like, get the fuck out of my yeah, life. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So Ryan at this point is sitting in his at his dining room table and he has like a round table and kind of like it's an apartment condo so it's not very big. Okay. Um he's sitting at this round table and I can just imagine like his head is in like his hands like what the fuck am I going to do to get this girl out of my life? And the gun that he carries is just sitting on the table. Well, Sheena picks up the gun and shoots him in the head. Whoa. Where he slumps over, and then she shoots him five more times. Oh, geez. She then... Wait, so was Miss Ohio there? No, he was meeting her at a bar after at 8.30. Okay. He never showed up. Right. She waited for him. Shayna then calls her mother and then calls 911, which I'm going to play for you now. Kelly 911. Ma'am, I killed my boyfriend in self-defense. What did you kill him with? A gun, a loaded gun in the house. Tell me where the gun is right now. The gun is in the house. I laid it on the bookshelf. Where are you? I'm standing about 10 feet from his dead body. Okay, are you sure that he is dead? He's dead, ma'am. He's completely dead. Okay. And how long ago did you shoot him? Not even that long. Like, 10 or 15 minutes ago? Yeah. Okay, what's your name? My name is Shana Michelle Huber. The officers are going to want me to stand on line with you, so when you get when they get there, they're going to want to know where that gun is, and we want you to get out safely too, okay? Okay, are they going to arrest me? Ma'am, I don't know what they'll do. We're going to send, send them out. I'm going to stand on line with you, okay? I mean, I'm not a murderer, ma'am. I just killed him. What, what, what happened exactly? What happened? He beat me and tried to carry me out of the house, and I came back in to get my things, and he was right in front of me, and he reached down and grabbed the gun, and I grabbed it out of his hand and pulled the, pulled the trigger. Okay. All right. Do you need an ambulance? Have you been injured? I'm not injured, ma'am. I was thrown into the side of the couch. All right. What's his name? Ryan Carter Poston. He's an attorney in Cincinnati. Okay. Have you had a history of domestic violence with him? Yes. Okay. And is this your gun? No, this is his gun. He keeps loaded guns in the house. So he, he slammed you into the couch, but you don't have any injuries? I don't have any injuries. I was just very frightened. He's a lot bigger than me. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. I'm 5'8", 120. And he, and he picked me up, and I said, let me get my things at least if we're going to break up. And he threw me across the room. And I was very startled. I was laying on the floor. Okay. sure he's not breathing at all? No, that's okay. They actually have someone that's outside almost right now, but I'm going to stay online with you, okay? Ma'am, and then because he was twitching and I knew he was going to die anyway, and he was making funny noises, I shot him a couple more times just to kill him because I knew he would have been... I'm sorry, you said you shot him a couple more times after that? Yeah. How many times did you shoot him total? I don't know. Okay, because he was twitching and you knew he was going to die, so you shot him again? Enough to make sure he was dead because he was twitching so bad and I don't want to watch him 
So as you can see, Shayna admits killing Ryan, and this is where the case turns even weirder. Okay, well, side note, I just want to say I really like how that dispatcher was, like, not buying what she was selling Yeah, right off the bat. I know. She's like, I don't know what they're going to do. She's like, are they going to run a history of domestic violence? Yeah. Yeah. So... Upon the police arrival, you know, they arrest Shayna and take her to the interrogation room where they read her her rights. And right away, she asks for an attorney. Okay. Which makes it so the investigators can't question her. Right. Any longer. And the investigator tells her that. He's like, okay, well, I can't ask you any questions anymore. And she starts wailing like crying, like, Mom! right? And the investigator walks out of the room, right? When she sits down, he, like, hands her some water. The second he walks out of the room, she stops crying and just starts, like, picking her nails. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Like, it was drama for your mama. Yeah. You know? So it's chilling because it's so fake. Yeah, nutty. It's nutty. So although she asked for an attorney, she doesn't stop talking. She talks to every single person that walks in their room, but they can't say anything to her. Okay. But she's a freaking chatterbox. She's telling her story to everybody. And then like the investigators are just kind of taking turns like, rotating in and out, but just sitting there listening to her rant, 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 yeah, rant, yeah. rant. So on her 911 call, she claims that he threw her into the couch. She also says that she came into the house and found him with the gun standing there in front of her when she took the gun from him and shot him, right? Well, it's not true because that's not where they found him. And they found him like sitting, you know, he was like sitting at the table. And in the room, she says that he was sitting at the dining room table and she picked up the gun and shot him, which was more consistent with the crime scene. She then proceeds to tell the investigators how she shot him once and he slumped over twitching. So she decided to shoot him again and again so she wouldn't have to sit there and watch him die. And she physically gets on, like, at the table and shows them how he was and then falls over and shows them how he was. And they are not asking her anything. She is just shooting it all out of her mouth. Oh, that's crazy. She says, I knew he was going to die or have a completely deformed face. He's very vain. One of our last conversations we had that was good was that he wanted a nose job. This is what she's telling the police. And she says, and I shot him right here. I gave him his nose job. He wanted, I broke it. Oh my God. No freaking joke. So while alone in the room, she did real odd things like dance and twirl and sing amazing grace. 
And at one point she puts her finger like in the air and she's like, I killed him. Yep. I killed him. No. Yeah. It's like real bizarre, which is funny because this is what you said in the beginning is Jodi Arias is what everybody says that her videotape is like because hers was, she was doing handstands and like all kinds of other crazy stuff in the room. This is what this girl was doing. There was like no ounce of sorrow or remorse or, I mean, like, could you imagine if you killed somebody you love, like... And reenacting it? No. 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 I mean, I would... You would be dead Devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you just did it at a thing where you just were so impulsive that you... Like, not accident, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you're so impulsive, it just like came out and you killed him. I just don't think that you would act like that. Yeah. No way. So she then asked the officer if... Um, you go to jail. Are you allowed to keep your phone? Negative. Shana, no. Cannot keep your phone. She asks if you can shower in jail or if you just get real dirty. You then can she says, shower, but don't drop the soap. She says, oh, I have to shower in front of people. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, really should have thought this one through, Shana. Maybe. She's a real piece of work, and she just gave it to the investigators digging her own grave. The investigators finally came in, and they say, you know what? You're under arrest for the murder of Ryan Poston, and she asked them, what degree? They were like, there's no degree, just murder. Yeah. So she pleads not guilty in reason of self-defense. Which in Kentucky, you can actually shoot someone in self-defense. It's called a stand-your-own-ground state. And any person who uses a gun in self-defense has immunity from criminal and civil law in Kentucky. Okay. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Well, I think I sort of knew that because I've heard that. Sounds pretty bananas. In Colorado. Is the same? Arizona, the same. That's why this brother of the Lori Vallos killed the ex-husband, he says, in self-defense in the house, and nobody questioned it. Yeah. Well, I was talking to somebody in, in Pagosa Springs, where we go, Yeah. and you know, we were just talking about how different it was out there, and he's like, oh, no, we don't lock our doors or whatever, because you know, if somebody comes in your house, you could just shoot them. I was <laughs> like, no, I did not know that. <laughs> do not walk in the wrong house yeah, by so accident. Do, do not do that. <laughs> So the prosecution did not believe the self-defense claim and saw Shayna as a cold-blooded, cold-blooded killer who was so obsessed with Ryan that her jealousy got the best of her. And if she wasn't going to have Ryan, no one was going to have Ryan. So she killed him. Yeah. And after going through 50-plus thousand messages and talking to many of Ryan's friends, it was clear that Ryan was the one that was getting abused in this relationship. And the jury sided with the prosecution and sentenced Shayna Hubers to 40 years in prison. After her conviction, her lawyers found that there was a juror on her case that was a convicted felon, and her uh, conviction was, what do you call it? Um, overturned? It wasn't overturned, but it was just like... Like a mistrial? Mistrial. That's what it is. 
So she had a mistrial and they needed a new trial. Dude, what kind of person doesn't say I'm a convicted felon to get out of jury duty? I mean, that's got to be the bonus of being convicted of a felony. (laughs) No jury duty. I know. Isn't that weird? Super weird. So while waiting for her second trial, Shayna met a transgendered woman named Unique Taylor. She petitioned to marry. She and Unique reached out to a news station to help them in this matter where the news guy uh, interviewed Shayna. I watched like a 45-minute unedited interview with her. She was out on bail? She was not out on bail. She was in the clink. In, in the clink. In the striped uniform. Okay. She's so pretty that she still looks pretty in jail. Oh, watch out, Unique. So Unique um, is was born with the name of Richard McBee. Okay. And he has a real unique story. Okay. I mean, I could do a whole podcast on this person. Um, so when they were interviewing her, they were like, okay, so you want to get married to Unique? And Shana was like, yeah, I love him. And then she would be like, I mean, I, you know, I just don't see him as a gender. Like I, I call him, her, and I call him Richie, Rich, Richard, Unique, McBee. I have lots of names for him. Okay. Okay. And she just said that she was in love and that she just wanted to marry. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people saw it as a publicity stunt. Right before yeah, her second I'm trial. That vibe. I can see why the people would see that. Mm-hmm. But they granted her permission to marry. And Unique and Shayna were married in a two minute jailhouse ceremony on June 7, 2018. Shayna then had her second trial uh, that later that year, where Ryan's poor family had to endure this whole thing all over again, which oh I freaking hate. Yeah. This time, Shayna took the stand, which she did not in her first trial. And she recounts Ryan's abuse to her and claims that he was mad at her inability to orgasm and he had forced her to do sex acts on him. So that's where I said I would get back to that. Mm. Honestly, I think this is all made up. Yeah. With thousands of messages... Not one showed any signs of abuse to her. She never told any of her friends that he was ever abusive to her. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he had been abusing her in one of those 50,000 text messages, she would have been like, and by the way. Don't push me around. Or yeah, whatever. don't do this. Blah, 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 blah. 100%. And with how much she talked in, like to everybody, even the 911 operator, she would have told a friend. That something oh, was yeah, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody would have corroborated her story. Yeah, but no one did. I do want to bring up one thing to be totally transparent in this is that Ryan was going through a lawsuit with the previous law partner at the time, and he was real angry about it. He did send two disturbing text messages about this particular subject to a friend, not to Shana. In August, he sent a text message saying, and this is in quotes, and I want to rig explosives to everything I see. And it was talking about like this lawsuit. 
And then another message just eight days before he passed away, he wrote to a friend, there's nothing I want more than just to scorch the effing earth and leave this entire city in a pile of burnt rubble. So these two messages are alarming and disturbing. Yeah. But they're not directed at Shayna in any way. No, he sounds stressed out. And I think he sounds stressed out too. Yeah. And I'm sure Shayna was adding to his stress. 100. Like 100%, right? Yeah. And I don't see any of that like warranting someone murdering him. Seems to me he just wanted her to leave him alone and not come around him. And I felt, you know, it was important to tell you about that, but no, I totally don't think that it yeah. has anything to do with I this. hate it when we're doing a case and then you start reading all, you like watch the show about it and then you start reading all the articles and you're like, oh, they just didn't want to tell the complete narrative. So yeah. you never saw this whole other part. Yeah. Yeah. So this time, the second trial ended with guilty again and life in prison. Whoa. Instead of 40 years. So she is actually eligible for parole in 2032, which is what, like 12 more Not years? Not too far away. You know. But I feel like with a lack of remorse that she's not going to get it. She's not going to get it. I hope not. I hope not either. I think this, that deserves life. That's a really cold blooded kill. She's, she's a a lifer. She's a lifer and she's off her rocker. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So now what happened to Shayna and unique? Yeah. What happened? Well, shortly after her trial was over, not even a year after marrying, Shayna filed for divorce. Oh. In her divorce papers, it stated that Richard McBee lives in Phoenix, Arizona at an extended stay hotel and is a tattoo artist. So I'm sure he got out of jail. I think he was just in there for like robbery or something. So, or she gets out of jail. Right. And Shayna's there for life. So I don't know how you make that work. I think you dodged a bullet unique. I mean, yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah. So hopefully now that Unique is out and free, she's finding comfort and solace in who she is as a person and staying away from breaking the law. Yeah. And to Ryan's family, I just, I'm so sorry for their loss. And he seemed like such a promising young attorney. Oh God, you have a son that is a lawyer. Real tragic. That's the dream. I know. So, yeah, sad story. Sad. Yeah. Shana's mom does not believe that she is a murderer. And oh, bullshit. She knows it. There's a, there's a Facebook page for Shana, you know, wrongfully convicted, wrongfully whatever. Really? Yeah. Wow. She posts, or whoever's doing it is posting pictures of her and. You know, they kick anybody off that's negative. I read through it. and She's a wackadoo. Yeah. So now we're going to call our friend Rebecca from Dialogue Podcast and get her insight on this case because she's the one that brought this to me. So maybe she awesome. has a little something to tell us. Hi, I am here with Rebecca from Dialogue Podcast. And... Hey. How are you, 
I am good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so glad you were able to talk to me today because this, I know. Case, this case came directly from you. So thank you. Oh, glad to be of service. This is long overdue. It is for sure. It's been about, I don't know, a few months of us going back and forth and trying to get together, and this uh, we finally did made it happen. Yes, yes. I'm so excited, and I'm excited for our future conversation that we will have on Dialogue, where I'll get to know both you and Gretchen. I'm excited yes. for that. Yeah, I can't wait. I wanted you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your podcast and how you got into true crime. Oh, sure. So, well, true crime obsession started pretty young, like many people. I just grew up watching cops and unsolved mysteries with my family, and that led to Dateline. And I guess my palate changed as I got older. And, you know, the 90s, there were so many headline cases, and I was a teenager and young adult in that era. And, you know, the O.J. Simpson case, Menendez Brothers, those cases really stayed with me. And, um, you know, last August, after hosting a true crime trivia show for a couple of years in the city, I felt like I was ready to sort of open up a place for a conversation about true crime and not just the cases themselves, but talk to people who are in that world and what their perspective is on true crime and kind of the issues around it. So in August, I started a podcast called Dialogue, A True Crime Conversation, and it's Dialogue with an E, D-I-E. And uh, yeah, I interview writers and podcasters, producers, survivors, uh, attorneys, all kinds of people who are in the criminal justice system, in true crime, and we talk about our collective obsession with the genre. Pretty much in a nutshell, that's what we do. Yeah, and I love it. It's definitely on my weekly, bi-weekly podcast listening list. Um, and I don't actually listen to that many anymore because I'm so involved in my own. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, occupational hazard of podcasting. You get a lot less time to listen to others. So right now, it's, it's I'm listening to one. I'm always listening for future guests, right? So if I'm having somebody on, I'm going to go back and make sure I've listened to their work or read their book. That's a major commitment. So it definitely comes at the expense of uh, recreational podcast listening. So I'm honored that you find time to sometimes listen to dialogue. Yeah, I do. I love it. So I wanted to speak with you a little bit about Shana. Um, oh, Shana. Oh, Shana. Tell me why you suggested this case out of all the true crime cases out there. It's a really good question that I don't know I have a good answer for. But my thinking, well, it was the first thing that popped into my head when you asked me to come on and join you for this little segment, this chat. I thought, I don't want something super dark and heavy. Now, a man, an innocent man was violently murdered. That's very dark and very heavy. Shana herself uh, is just such a unique character study, and there's so many bizarre elements to who she is that the case has a little bit more levity to me just when you look at her as a perpetrator. It's uh, kind of lighter, so it doesn't have this kind of dark, mysterious, whodunit, cold case feeling. I thought this might just be an interesting conversation uh, because she's such an interesting person. Yes, I totally agree. Um, what did you, when you look at the case and you look at Shana, what um, did you think that she, I mean, she seems a little crazy, 
we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, she seems a little more than a little crazy, right? I think what's compelling about this case and probably why it was on 2020 or Dateline, wherever I saw it first, is that she goes, I feel like we've all been the, the rejected girl who maybe liked a guy a little bit more than he liked us. And maybe we feel we kind of abandoned our own sense of self or, or broke our own boundaries of what we would do. We texted too much. We called too much. We drove by his house. We had other people drive by his house, right? She mm-hmm. takes that to search. Yeah, right? It's, uh, it's fair. So she just takes that to such the next level, clearly, um, that I don't think she's just a little crazy. I actually wonder about her actual diagnosis, and I don't have any expertise or background. I believe that to someone else, or if in your research you came up with that, I'm, I'm curious. But, um, you know, I think there's some, some real mental health issues there where there was real obsession and uh, to the point where she had no impulse control or ability to reel herself in, I don't know, you know, what I'm not clear on is if that was premeditated or not. You know, did she go there to do that or was that a kind of a crime of passion after a rejection? I know. I actually, so I just looked it up and she was diagnosed, I think, during her second trial uh, with borderline personality disorder and PTSD, but I'm thinking the PTSD must be from after the incident. Um, oh, wow. Well, there you go. I mean, borderline is, is no joke. And, right. um, you know, sadly, I think if she'd had help sooner, that probably was very avoidable. I think borderline is, is, is dangerous but treatable. You know, there is medication for that. Um, and, you know, I remember hearing some cases, some podcasts covering this, and people saying she always did have this flair for the dramatic you know, and you always hear stories in retrospect before you maybe know somebody's criminal tendencies and things that were really actual problems and indicators of future behavior, people were tossing aside as a flair for the dramatic and boy crazy and kind of obsessed with guys. You know, those things are, that's, those are fairly common descriptions, but maybe what was actually brewing was this impending disorder, which probably came about more in her early 20s, you know, around when this incident occurred. Yeah, I know. It's very unfortunate for sure. It really uh, is. And you can see you can see these, you know, during her interview or even when they weren't even interviewing her, just in her police tapes where she's just sitting in the, um, in the interrogation room not getting interrogated, she's making very odd sounds and singing and twirling uh-huh. and not acting like you just, you know, murdered your boyfriend. Um, and right. at any point, she didn't really act like that. Um, right. And was that an act or was that a dissociation? Was she in shock? You know, I don't know, but I, I think that is probably what's so memorable about the case and why I suggested it is because I've seen footage of her in the interrogation room waiting for police kind of twirling around and, and singing. And then also I heard a ton of audio. I mean, she just never stopped talking. She would talk to anyone in that space who would listen to her. Mm-hmm. I know. And I'm going to insert right here a couple more pieces that I didn't get to um, put in the episode so oh, that good. you can kind of really hear 
you know, more of what she was doing in that room and what she was saying. And it's true. Like, she just kept talking. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, I did. You said you're just a little bit from the time. I know. Yes, I just a little bit came out of me. Because <laughs> I took up the Yeah, unprompted, no questions. I mean, the detective must have been like, oh, what a jackpot. We don't even have to uh, work. We're just going to sit here. We're going to listen and attempt to make some sense out of this because I'm sure they've never seen anything like it. You know, she had no priors, no record. This was not a typical offender. So it must have just been so fascinating for them. Um, And you did say, you know, was it premeditated or not? And I have to tell you, I... I don't think so. They said because she released the safety on the gun that that was her premeditation. Oh, interesting. Which gives you what? I mean, less than a second to do that. Right, right. And I don't know if you can actually fully premeditate something to that degree in less than a second. Right. Um, I don't think she came there for that. I think she came there so that... You know, like she did every other time to beg him to stay with her. And this time he wasn't going to do it. And he had a date. And so she knew, you know. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that makes more sense. And then, yeah, if he had this date with this other girl, that could have been the trigger that was kind of, well, no pun intended, but that could have been the trigger that she didn't even know she was waiting for, right? Like that, for whatever reason, was her breaking point. Mm -hmm. Um You know, one of the things she said that's very haunting that I think people kind of grab onto is the nose job comment. Did you guys get to that? Yes, we did. Yeah. I mean, talk about a lack of remorse. There's no remorse. I don't think she's ever shown any type of remorse, and that's what's the scary part about who she is. Because right, you think in a crime of passion – that the second that you've done something like that, you would know the mistake that you've made and be truly remorseful about it. But she ne- she never she never showed any remorse, and still to this day hasn't. Right, and you know, not only does it not show remorse, it also it's just so it gives Ryan no dignity. Right, he already had to die at her hands, and then she divulges that information that yeah, people like may or may not mom. knew, right? Yeah, it's it's um it's very manipulative. It's very maybe narcissistic. I know that's a real condition and a real diagnosis that I don't know if it really is what she has, but really chilling thing to say. It's really I know. And then she goes on, did you um did you read uh that she married somebody in prison before her second trial? I think that headline uh, found its way across my my feed somewhere. Yes, um, I do remember that. I don't remember the details. I, was it a trans woman? It was a trans woman. Okay, so uh, so, so a fellow prisoner. So it wasn't like an outside prisoner. person. Yeah. Okay. A fellow prisoner. When she, I watched this forty-five minute interview with her where she was speaking to a journalist and. She wouldn't really say, you know, she called him him instead of her. 
And she oh. said, oh, I just don't, I don't go on gender. You know, it's unique and Richard or Richie or Rich Rich, you know, um, which was odd to me because it's such a thing. Like, I think that unique is, uh, her name is unique and um, she's had a lot of struggles. I actually, I mean, I could do another whole podcast on her. Oh my gosh. But she's had a a long struggle and a, she's been in prison for a long time. She was, I think, in prison for years and years in a male prison, even though she identifies as a woman. Oh. And, um, so for Shana to go on record and really diminish unique as an individual and who she was, I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, I don't like that publicity stunt because that's kind yeah. of what well, yeah. at best, it's a publicity stunt. Honestly, if I had any access to Unique, I'd be like, "Girl, like, keep a distance." <laughs> I just, no. I, I, I don't, I don't, like, no, I don't, I don't think I'd want to get too close to her. And I think, you know, publicity, or is it just her, you know, need to be with someone or someone's mm-hmm. the object of their affection? Oh. I don't know, but like, it you makes know me worried. Yeah, well, they they are divorced now, so it didn't work out. (laughs) It didn't work out. Uh, We got divorced shortly after her second trial, and I think Unique is now a free woman living her best life, hopefully. Good. I hope so, and I'm so curious about Unique now. Now that you seem to know some peripheral details around her, I might do a little digging. um, You should do a little digging. Maybe you could have her on your Oh, my gosh. I would be honored. Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody, that's the thing, even Shayna and even Ryan for that matter, everybody is more than one thing, right? I think it's very tempting, and especially in true crime, he was a purely innocent victim, and Shayna is the perpetrator. And this story is a little unique because it's kind of flipped, and they're not the usual suspects, so to speak. But really, people aren't always all bad or all good. They're they're kind of a sum of their upbringing and, and circumstances and so many things. So um, so I'm sure Unique has a story, and I know Shayna does too. She is a three-dimensional person, uh, so I don't want to reduce her to a character either. But right. it's, it's complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. They all are complicated, but this one definitely was um, was a good one to research. Uh, I kind of remembered about it, um, but then when I dug deeper, I got you know, more involved and, you know, it's truly heartbreaking for Ryan's family. Because oh, my gosh. Like he, he was, yeah, amazing. he was such a valued part of, you know, his family and his, his, he had deep friendships and he was at the peak of his life. I mean, truly, he was, he was, uh, it was just, it's tragic. It was cut way too short. Um, and something else that's interesting in wrapping up in her second trial, what I thought was interesting was her sentence was different. So she had this first trial. She got 40 years. Then she got an appeal because one of the jurors was a felon and he didn't disclose that or she, I don't know. And then she got another trial. She found guilty with like five hours. I think they deliberated. And she got life. Life, yeah. So I didn't read any, uh, you know, did you read anything or learn anything about why the difference in uh, sentencing? Um, because there, the jury, I know in different states it just depends. Sometimes the judge makes the call and sometimes the jury makes the call. And yeah. the jury in her state, that's what they um, 
wanted her to get. They wanted her to get life in prison, and the first jury, jury uh, suggested 40 years. So wow. she ends up for parole in 2032, I think. Oh. Is when it is. So, I mean, it does. I mean, it's 2020, so 12 more years. It seems like it's not that long. Um, I'm sure it's a little longer for her. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I don't know if they'll give it to her. Yeah, I, I wonder. I mean, you have to show some remorse and contrition. Mm-hmm. A parole board is going to really look for owning what you did and apologizing. And if she's not able to do that, I don't think she will. But a lot can happen in a decade. And she is a very young woman. And I was just listening to another podcast today called Women in Crime. And they're uh, criminologists. And they just were talking about aging out of crime. And that's a real thing. Some people really are one-time offenders who do something before their brain is fully developed and they aren't criminal. And if they have any you know, sideline mental health issues, if they get those in check, they have a very good chance of not offending again. So they're both sort of fans of shorter sentences and rehabilitation. So it is interesting to think about in her 30s and closer to 40-ish when she gets out, because she was very young when this happened. She has a chance at a a life. Yeah, I mean, 21, you got to think. I mean, when we were in our early 20s and in high school, what silly things that we would do for boys or, you know, things that, now, when we're closer to 40, you think how stupid we were at that time and yeah. just young and immature. I mean, never in my wildest dreams would I ever go to the point that she did. But like you said, we would drive by our boyfriend's house to make sure like, he wasn't out or something like that. Like, yeah, I, I don't think that I would even give that much time these days to something like that so no uh, no the perspective is totally different you have such a longer view of life you know at that age everything's like right in front of your face and that's all you can see and uh and that's an interesting thing to consider when you look at crimes and sentencing you know is who's at risk to offend again and who maybe won't maybe they will grow out of that not that there shouldn't be punishment so it'll be interesting to keep our eye on her yes it will well i very much look forward to continuing our conversation on your podcast. Oh, me too. We'll get Gretchen uh, in know, on it. <laughs> you know when ours will air? air. Yeah, I've got it slated for April 1st. Okay. Ah, April Fool's Day. Which is April 1st Day, which I don't know how I'll tie that in, and I didn't mean it to, to fall on that day, but um, I don't it's know. Okay. I, I feel like we're a little more fun than some of your... <laughs> interview, just saying. Yep, you will bring the levity and the laughs, and that actually will be the perfect time. So that's what yeah. we'll do. I'm not calling nobody a fool. I'm just saying we're going to have fun on April Fool's Day. Yeah. April Sunday. Let's just call it that. April Sunday. I like that. That's perfect. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I think all of our listeners will too. And I hope they check out your podcast because they are going to love it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And this was really fun. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good night. All right. Well, that was fun, Gretchy. Yeah. Yeah. So don't forget this week, Gretchen, we have a really good bonus episode coming up on our Patreon and Himalaya. We have a interview 
an interview with a former victim, but we're not going to tell you who it is. You got to listen and find out. It, someone we've talked about on the podcast. Someone we talked about on the podcast. And we love her dearly. We interviewed her a while ago and we are finally getting to it. So if you want to listen, which I'm sure you do, because it's a good one. Yeah. Sign up on Patreon or Himalaya. Either one, you'll get the content. And if you have not rated us on iTunes, we would very much appreciate it. And if you have an Android, our friend told us that you can go to Podchaser and give us a little rating. We'll take it. However we can get it. You know how we are. We're easy. Easy. (laughs) In more ways than one. I'm just kidding. It's kind of (laughs) true. Some people from our old high school might say that. Oh, geez. Now you're next level. <laughs> next level. I know that's what you were thinking. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Okay. Clink, clink. All right. Scrunchy. Clink, clink.